Hey guys, I'm Jen, owner of Jen Davis Design. And I'm Giselle, owner of Wander Design Co. We're so excited to welcome you to Better, a brand designer podcast. We have open and honest discussions about what it's really like to run a design business, diving into the stuff you just don't see on Instagram. We're all about giving you actionable advice and fostering a supportive community of the coworkers you're missing. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Welcome back to Better, the Brand Designer Podcast. Giselle and I are so excited for this episode because we have a wonderful guest with us, Abby from Wayfair Design Studio. So welcome, Abby. This is just a dream come true to have you on our podcast, and we can't wait for the conversation to just enlighten us, both me and Giselle and all the people who are listening. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I was very excited just to see another podcast for designers because there's not that many, (laughs) you know, so I'm happy, happy to be here. We have so many things prepared that we just want to jump into this conversation with you. But as you guys all know, we always start off an episode with a little icebreaker question um, just to get the ball rolling, get the creative juices flowing. So I am going to start. I'll ask Giselle and then Abby can answer after. If you could add two more hours to your day, how would you spend them? Oh, there would be so many different things I would want to do. But I think the one that I would prioritize would be my website. Because ah, yes. I've been saying for like a year that I was going to update that. <laughs> That's so, I feel like I redesign my website like every two months, which is like not what you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to make it consistent and like it goes against everything that I like teach my clients. But yeah, I feel that. <laughs> Abby? <laughs> it's funny you say that because I'm redesigning my website and I'm actually, I'm taking all of December off from client work just so I can work on my website (laughs) because otherwise I'll never get it done if I don't take off all that time. So the other thing, I think I love personal projects and if I could just have more time to do those and just like design for fun (laughs) because designing just for clients can get exhausting sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be my other thing. Let's jump into our conversation with Abby. How about you just kind of introduce yourself to our listeners, tell everyone um, a little bit more about your studio, how you got to where you are today, and then we could probably talk a little bit more about like the initial like startup stuff later on. I do brand and web design mainly. I mean, I work with a variety of different types of clients. I wouldn't say I like niche myself into a specific industry or something. But yeah, I started freelancing straight out of college, which was terrifying. And I don't necessarily recommend because it was just a really difficult thing to do. But it was kind of my only choice. I started in 2016. So May of 2016 was whenever I was supposed to graduate. And I had no plans for getting a job or anything. I had an internship, so I knew that they would let me stay on for like an extra six months. So I wasn't in any rush to like get hired by someone. But right before graduation, about a month before, my then boyfriend proposed to me because he got an opportunity to go play professional basketball overseas and wanted me to come with him. So even though I didn't have any career plans that just like screwed up everything. (laughs) But of course I was going to say yes, because why wouldn't you say yes to something like that? So it was kind of 
just a crazy whirlwind of a month getting married, graduated from college, and then we moved to Australia for his first overseas season. We moved the day after my college graduation and all of a sudden I was in a foreign country on a tourist visa and I had no idea how I was going to get a job. I actually applied to any designer job that I could find, but nobody would even talk to me once they saw I was on a visa. It was just kind of automatic. They shut me down. So that's why I started freelancing, which I feel like it's a little different from some people's stories whenever they like slowly transition into it or something. I was just forced into it. The day I can still remember the day that I decided to start Wayfarer. It was about three weeks into us being overseas and I just started crying and they weren't happy tears. I was so upset because I was just like, I'm out of college. I don't have experience. I'm never going to be able to make this work, but I don't have any other options. So I guess I just got to try. And that was it. And it was tough starting out and just having to learn so much on my own and and as I went, but I figured it out and (laughs) I'm still here. I don't know. It's just kind of crazy to think of where I started and where I'm at now. I mean, now I can't imagine doing anything else, but it's just funny that this is not at all what I planned to do or really wanted to do (laughs) as a career, but your story sounds very similar to mine, except, you know, I was um, married into the military. So we were pretty much forced right off the bat to move every few years. And that's hard, you know, so like, I totally feel you and that anxiety over like not knowing what's coming next was seriously debilitating. So like, I feel you. And it's funny because looking back at the time, I thought this is the worst situation to be in to start a business. But now that I look back, it was a perfect situation to be in because with our lifestyle, we we do travel a lot. We move to a new country once a year, sometimes twice a year, but we don't have a lot of bills with that type of lifestyle because so much is provided for us by my husband's teams. And because of that, I was able to grow my business slowly, which I know a lot of people don't have that option. So... Really, I was in such a good place to start a business, and I just didn't realize how those things that I assumed were bad or going to be obstacles were actually making it a little bit easier to grow my business. I think a lot of people are going to find your story relatable because even me, like I, I didn't marry and like, you know, move to a different country or anything, but I did like follow my boyfriend at the time who's now my husband to um he went to go do his master's program and I followed him to this small like mountain town and there were no graphic design jobs and I was like I had left like a really good design job in LA and things like that and I basically like was like okay if I want to keep designing I have to start freelancing and it was hard like really really hard for like the first year and similar stories I think but um yeah like I think a lot of people are gonna relate to this a lot (laughs) because it's not perfect right like it, ideally, it would be nice to slowly transition into it and have like the secure full-time job and security and like stability in the home and everything. But a lot of the times life isn't that way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I would love to hear more about 
kind of like what that process was like for you when you kind of had that moment where you're like, I'm going to start a business and I'm naming it this and this is going to be, you know, what I'm going to work towards. What were your fears? Like, what were your worries? What went well? What didn't go as planned? Totally tell us kind of like the whole situation about when that first started and what those first few months looked like for you. Well, the first few months, I mean, I just had no idea how to run a business in general because I went to school for design and, you know, unless you take a business class, you don't really learn about that stuff, like how to freelance, how to set up contracts, how to register your business, what to do for taxes. Like you don't learn any of that stuff. I did take an entrepreneurship class my senior year of college. So I learned a little bit, but not nearly enough. So the first, let's see, I think I started my business in June of 2016. And like that whole summer, I might've worked with one client and it was my sister-in-law. So like, other than that, I didn't have any work coming in. And I really just, I read every blog from freelancers that I could possibly find. And I wanted to like up my skills. I was just practicing things because especially with, I felt confident in my branding skills, but I didn't feel that confident in websites because I learned to code in college, but I learned to code for a different platform. And I really wanted to learn WordPress because it just felt like that was going to open more doors for me. So I spent like the whole summer teaching myself how to code better and, and stuff like that so that whenever clients did start to show up, eventually <laughs> I would have something to offer them that I thought was more valuable, but it was just really hard. I was really scared that nothing was gonna work out. I didn't know the first steps to take and I didn't, we were in a new country, so I couldn't talk to anyone in person. I couldn't try to meet people in person necessarily. I mean, I could, but it's like we were gonna leave in two months so for me to make in-person connections, that just wasn't going to work out that much. And it was hard for me to find people to get advice from. I thought at the time I didn't realize how willing people in the industry are to help others. I just, I don't know. I was shy, <laughs> I guess. And I was scared to ask for help and I just didn't know. I didn't know what to do <laughs> overall. Was there a moment like specifically where you decided I'm going to name my business and I'm going to like start this business or was it kind of like, I don't know, like super, super gradual? Like I said, that night, whenever I was like crying about it, oh. <laughs> that was like the moment whenever, I think it's because I was sitting on the couch and I was waiting. I kept checking my email because I was like, all these jobs that I had applied to, I was like, someone's got to respond to me. And I just kept refreshing my email and no one was. And then finally I was like, okay, it's been like three weeks and nobody will respond to me. So I have to do something else. And that was like the moment, I guess, when I was like, I'm starting a design business. <laughs> but after that, I mean, it was, it probably took me a few weeks to like register my business. I made sure to do that immediately. Cause I mean, I feel like some people who like wait to, officially register their business maybe it's because they do have it is still like a side hustle or something but I was like I got nothing else so I might as well just go ahead and get all the official paperwork done so I did all that stuff pretty quickly I think and I think I was so like insecure I felt like 
I was a fraud <laughs> because I had no idea what I was doing. And I was worried that if I tried to work with clients before having that stuff in place, then they would be able to see that. You know, I was trying to make myself look as professional as possible, even though I didn't feel professional at all <laughs> for like the first year probably <laughs> well it sounds like you like really just took yourself seriously and registered your business so that other people would take you seriously too right despite you know despite the doubts and and the imposter syndrome <laughs> I really feel like the the person that you you really need to impress the most when you start a business is yourself I mean like that for me is something that I'm still working on is like believing that like I can do this and that like, you know, I have the skills and that I, you know, it's so easy, especially on Instagram to think like, oh, wow, this person has these amazing clients and like all this. But in reality, like no matter how many years you've been running your design studio, like you're going to have those doubts and like those moments of imposter syndrome, you know, but it that's why it's really important that like we talk about like when we started, like we weren't all like super confident and like, yeah, I'm going to do great. I'm going to kill it. Like I didn't know like if I was going to be able to make a dollar off of my design business when I started, you know? All right. So what is something that you wish you would have known when you launched your studio and like kind of partner with that like what's a mistake that you made that you wish you could have avoided the biggest problems that I had were with like pricing myself that was definitely a huge mistake because I just I think I did like message one of my college professors and asked for some advice on how to price my services but I don't know I was just so scared to price myself like I didn't want to even talk about money with people and my real problem is that I was kind of assuming that experience was the only thing that you needed to think about when pricing yourself. I would think, okay, I'm straight out of college. I have no real work experience. That means anybody that I see out there currently freelancing, my prices have to automatically be lower than theirs because they have experience freelancing and I don't. I was kind of thinking of it and it makes sense like whenever you're applying for a job usually the salary is based on your years of experience. So that's kind of why I had that in my head. But it doesn't necessarily relate to freelancing all the time. And it took me so long <laughs> to figure that out. I don't know. I guess I thought experience was everything. But as I've kept working with people, I realized that it is very important to have experience, but it's not all it takes to be a great designer. And my ability to learn things on the job and pick up new skills really quickly, that's just as valuable as experience sometimes. And like as a freelancer, you're constantly doing stuff that you are not prepared to do. Every client you take on is going to ask you to do something that you've never done before. And of course, you're going to say yes. But I don't know. It's just like I wasn't giving myself enough credit for being able to do good work, even if it wasn't something I'd done before. So I was really limiting myself. I charged people next to nothing and I was scared to even charge that. <laughs> and I don't know, it's just, I was really, it was a very limiting mindset. And I, I don't know, I think I was just underestimating what I was capable of and like, punishing myself almost for it like punishing myself for being young that's something that of course we all go through but thanks for 
being so like transparent with us about that because it's not really something that people talk about a lot. I mean, pricing is a huge beast and we even, you know, did a double episode on it because it's something that everyone wants to talk about. But it's like, you're right, like the whole structure of society is built on how many years of experience you have and like people who are even like older than other people, well, you know, like they've got more years on this planet so they must know what they're doing. No, that's a lie. Like, you just, you're so right. There are so many other things that factor into what your pricing is. And, you know, go back and listen to episodes four and five, everyone, because it's, it's, uh, they're, they're so great. They're so full of wisdom. Yeah. And in theory, right? Like the experience factor would be like, that would make total sense. But you're right. Like we, we all have our own special talents and there are so many other things that we handle differently and, and we got to price it that way. I think a lot of people too, our prices are a reflection of our insecurities. Wow, that's so good. And I need to make that a, an Instagram post. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Abby, I think you said that you had like limited beliefs or, or mindset. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that and how you overcame it? Or if you're still struggling with it? <laughs> I still struggle with it sometimes. But I think that one, I think the more that I've talked with other designers about pricing, just like people being open about what they charge and like telling you what they think you could charge or like know you could charge that's really eye-opening I also I had multiple times where clients that I would work with at the end of the project they would it'd be like our last call or something and they would go out of their way and say just so you know you charged me way too little for this project (laughs) I would have paid you a lot more and that's one it would make me feel stupid because I'm like dang it what's wrong with me like why am I not just charging what people want to pay me also I wish you would have told me that beforehand (laughs) but um like I had one client who she was one of my favorite clients I've worked with and at the end of the project she was like I want you to add more to my final bill and I was like what and she's like no you've done such an amazing job you've gone above and beyond what I expected I want to pay you more you didn't charge me nearly enough and I was like okay what how much do you want me to add and she's like I don't care you can decide <laughs> I was like wow geez but it was really eye-opening to me and like that happened probably two years into freelancing so it's kind of been just like constant where I would have something happen that would make me realize I'm undervaluing myself And again, I just think it keeps relating to the fact that I was so young whenever I started and that just made me feel like I'm too young to charge a certain amount or I'm too young to work with a certain type of client. And I I know that whenever people reach out to me and I have calls with them, they have no idea how old I am. And they don't really know how many years of experience I, like nobody has ever asked me to send a resume or something, you know, they might look at my portfolio, but nobody's asking me how old I am and how, how long I've been freelancing. They just see my work and my work speaks for itself. And that's something I have to keep reminding myself of that my age isn't, it's not what people are coming to me for. And it's not what people are noticing. I feel like I can't remember it. There's this girl that I follow on Instagram. Her name's Michelle Poehler and she she did this project all about fear and she always says this thing where like the things that we assume everybody is staring at (laughs) like the flaw that we assume everyone is noticing it's only us like nobody even (laughs) she says it way better than that 
<laughs> but it's something about that. We're like the things that we think are so obvious and we're like so embarrassed about, nobody else even notices it. And that's kind of what I feel like I've struggled with with my age and just starting young is I assume everybody realizes it, mm. but the truth is nobody does. Yeah, that's true. I, I relate to that too because I think all of us are like pretty young and I mean, we, we have our own businesses and I, to this day, like I just signed up for yoga, for example, and I've been meeting people there and they asked me like, oh, you know, you're, you're new to the area. What do you do? Like, do you have a job right now? And I said, oh yeah, I work from home. And that's it. I don't even say like, I have my own business and things like that. Cause I, at some point, I don't know, like I still feel like an imposter sometimes. And I can't just say like, oh, I'm a business owner <laughs> as like freely as I say, like I work from home. Yeah. And I think that's, and, there's like a big yeah. difference too, between I'm a freelancer and I'm a business owner. I've recently been, been trying to make that distinction in my languaging about myself because when I first started, I was a freelancer. I was taking whatever came my way. But now, like, I am calling the shots in my business, you know, and I am a business owner. I own my own business. And, you know, I say it with pride, but not as a boasting thing. And more often than not, people are just intrigued and want to know more. Um so that's something that's been important for me um, in recent times is, you know, kind of not, well, I, you know, I kind of, I freelance, you know, I freelance design. It's like, technically we all are freelancers, but like owning a business with a name that's registered that you pay taxes on, like that is so different than, you know, one-off projects here and there. Like, oh yeah, I just, I just freelance. It's like, no, I'm a business owner, you know? So the way you talk about yourself to other people, yeah, exactly. Like the way you talk about yourself to other people has such a huge impact on the way that you see yourself. And I've noticed that with my own self. So it's always hard. I still struggle with that. It was probably like last winter or like January of this year. So that was almost like three years into me doing this. That's whenever I really started to think of myself as a business owner, which is not fair because I was booked out before then. Like I was working with people consistently and charging a decent amount, but it took me that long to feel like I was a real business owner. And this wasn't just a, I don't know, like I, I could see myself describing it as like, oh, this is just something that I do. But now I'm like, no, this is my business. And it's always hard, especially for like, with me and my husband, especially whenever we're back home in the States, I try to not draw that much attention to what I do because he's playing professional basketball and that's what people want to hear about, you know, <laughs> because it's something that they like understand. People don't understand what I do, especially whenever they ask me, where do you get yeah. work? And I say Instagram <laughs> and then they're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> that is part of the reason I don't, why I, don't... I feel like when I start to say, oh, I'm a business owner, you know, design studio, blah, blah. And they like don't really get it. That is part of the reason why I just say, oh, I work from home. And Abby, you were saying earlier that you realized at some point that, you know, these potential clients like aren't asking for your resume or years of experience or basically like a typical em employee employer interview. And I think that especially, you know, at, at a younger age, that's something that a lot of people probably struggle with. And just changing that mindset from I'm not applying for another job, like I'm submitting a proposal for a project and like we were saying earlier just changing that mindset that you are a business owner you're not just an employee I think sometimes as freelancer like the difference between freelancer and business owner is like freelancing a lot of the times it's like you're working with an agency and they pay you by the hour and then like as a business owner you are the one like seeking work and like hiring subcontractors when you need to and like 
basically handling all of the things that a business owner would handle as opposed to just like submitting a project and sending an invoice for your the hours that you worked and that's it yeah I think another thing that's been surprising and has like helped me with my confidence a lot is whenever I I launched a course this year and it's about like it's mainly like the presentations that I send, like a bunch of templates to show how I present my work and like how I communicate with my clients. So whenever I first launched it, I was thinking this is going to be for people who are just starting out, who were in my position and didn't know how to, you know, present their work to clients and communicate with them and all of that. But I had a bunch of people who signed up for it, who'd been designers for five to eight years. And and I realized that they were they were coming from like the agency world and were just starting to run their own business. And so past me would have thought they have so much experience, like eight years as a designer. They know so much more than me, but they were signing up for my course because they still don't know how to work with clients. So that was really eye-opening to me to think like, years of design experience it's not necessarily years of working on your own with clients experience like it's a totally different world so that was also really eye-opening to me to think that there is a huge difference and that's something that you know we found with this podcast too is you know like sometimes our audience tends to skew like newer to the design world, but there are still a huge amount of people who are listening and are in our Facebook group who have been doing this for a long time. And, you know, they're all, we're all just always looking to be better every day. Ha, huh? better. <laughs> like, we, yeah, I promise I didn't do that on purpose. Um, but like, I know, right? Product placement. <laughs> yeah, um, but like that kind of... um leads us into I know we were gonna I was gonna ask this question a little bit later but we're talking about kind of these experienced designers what advice would you have for someone who you know maybe is experienced in the agency world and is coming to design for the first time or maybe is a brand designer who's kind of hit a plateau and they're they feel like they're being outpaced by maybe newer studios like what advice would you have for them to kind of like refresh um, reframe um, and start to see growth again so whenever I'm going through those times, personal projects are just like my my go-to like all the time. If there's ever a shift that I'm making, like if I'm trying to move into a different style or like attract different types of clients, I always do personal projects. But whenever last fall, I had like hit a plateau in my business. I was like booked out consistently. Like I was getting work and they were good clients that I wanted to work with but I felt like I'd reached a limit with what I was charging and I don't know it's just like I knew that if I wanted to be profitable that I needed to attract higher budget clients and I just wasn't able to and I didn't know why (laughs) so I decided to sign up for a mastermind and I feel like that's kind of the other thing that's been really helpful for me, even though I was like fairly experienced at that point, you can always seek out help and like, it doesn't matter what stage you're at, but seeking out help from someone who has been there and just having somebody else's eyes on 
how you're doing things, who can give you an outside opinion is that was the best decision that I have made so far. Um, I joined this mastermind. It was with um, Morgan Rapp, who she's transitioning to be her own brand now, but she was running October Inc. So she's been a designer for, for a while and very successful. And I just knew like she has done things that I felt I wanted to do. So that's why I decided to sign up for her mastermind. And it was just amazing to have somebody tell me that they know, like she knew all the frustrations that I was having. And it was just so helpful to have somebody else walk me through it. So I feel like when you're at a more experienced stage, that's like the quickest way (laughs) to get through it is to not get through it alone, to do it with someone else. It's not on my radar for now because I feel like I'm still kind of growing and I'm in those beginning stages. My business is less than a year old at this point, but like I could see that becoming kind of Mm -hmm. like that next level up step for me. Um, And I love hearing people's opinions on that because it is a lot of money to invest, especially if you're joining something that's like Mm -hmm. really like really high quality people who are super experienced like I want to pay people what they're worth but the the price tag is usually like huge and scary yeah it was really it was hard for me I had never really invested that much in something before because a design business is pretty inexpensive to run honestly and I and I liked that a lot (laughs) um So it was really scary for me to invest that money, but I just knew, and it was like the stuff that I needed help doing. It's like, I knew I could figure it out on my own. Cause like I said, you know, having that ability to learn stuff on the job is such a valuable thing. And I had that, I knew I could figure out these things on my own, but it would take me so much longer to do it. And it, it would take so much effort <laughs> for me to do everything on my own. And like, I didn't know if it'd be as good. Like I might have to do it multiple times before I actually see any results from it. So that's why in my mind, I was like, no, this is going to be better. I'll be able to get, like, I'll have someone who can tell me exactly what works, what doesn't. And I can sort of skip some of the troubles <laughs> that I would have to go through to get where I need to and be. And that's the gift of time. So, and that's more valuable than anything else you know it really is because I mean that's why we have our businesses is to be able to be flexible with our time and so anything that can save you time like man it's a good investment and then bouncing that idea with like another person that's more experienced and that you respect and and admire already in in my experience like I feel a lot less doubt in what I need to do next so um Abby what advice do you have for designers that are looking to make that next step of investing in like either a business coach or a a mastermind what do they what do you look for like what's something that they should consider I mean you obviously need to have in mind what some specific goals are I mean of course you're gonna go into it being like I have no idea what I what I'm supposed to do um but yeah I think you just have to be kind of picky to make sure that you're going to actually get something out of it. Because right before she opened her mastermind, I had talked to um, a regular, like not just business coach, but she was more like a life coach kind of. And I'd had like an intro call with her and I was considering working with her, but I don't know. I just felt like the questions that I had were so specific because I really wanted to learn about launching a course. I wanted to learn about raising my prices, working with like higher budget clients. So I knew that she could probably help me with some things, but not those specific things. And then 
whenever I found out about Morgan's mastermind, I knew that like she had done exactly all of those things. So like, that's why I went with her. And if I had talked to someone else, like who hadn't done some of those things, it, it would have been hard. I think you just have to make sure that the person has lots of experience with whatever it is specifically that you are looking to do. Now I'm just going to go join a mastermind, guys. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Once we're all like 20 years in, we should start one. (laughs) It was really so much fun. It was just so nice because we had this like Facebook group where we could all just ask questions like anytime we needed something. And if we were all like working on, you know, a course or like some just something that we were going to launch, we could had this like focus group to test it and like find mistakes and stuff, which was really helpful because I am not the best at proofreading or. (laughs) The more I talk to people in our group and just, you know, various course groups that I'm part of, the more I realize the incredible value in asking for feedback early and often. That's something that I learned from, um, Puno's Squarespace, um, online Squarespace design course. Like she is all about like, show it to someone, show it to someone else, like show it to your friend, show it to your designer friend, show it to someone who's not a designer, you know, like get all that feedback so that you don't waste all of your time kind of going down one direction and then finding out the end when it's too late that you should have like pivoted earlier on. And it's so scary. It's so scary opening up and showing like a work in progress because you're like, okay, it's not perfect. Like don't judge me because the alignment is weird, but you know, (laughs) but there's so much value in that. And when I see, especially people in our Facebook group sharing like, hey, this is like a group of logos. I don't know which direction to go. Like, what do you guys think? That inspires me to be like, you know what? I should do that more often with my projects. You know, like whether it's like in a private conversation with Giselle or, you know, whether it's, asking for a crowdsource opinion on something. I think that's awesome. So gosh, now, now I really want to join a mastermind. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. So before we close out um, our episode, we did want to talk a little bit about finding um, and identifying your ideal client and then kind of where they live and where you can like catch them you know (laughs) it's like if we're like going fishing you know like there's a huge pond full of like all different types of people and like you don't want to be able to like catch every single fish in the pond you want to know who your girl is or who you know your person is and find them so we would love to hear your insight on how you determine what your ideal client was and then what you look for when you have inquiries um, or when you're doing cold emails or when you're networking I usually base my ideal clients on just like what I'm most inspired by at the moment. Um, I think about like whenever I go into the store or if I'm like scrolling through Instagram or something, like what makes me stop like every single time? What, you know, what catches my attention and I like have to admire it for a second? Um, What am I never getting tired of looking at? So for instance, right now for me, it's like, modern furniture like Scandinavian furniture or like wine labels I'm constantly staring at wine labels in the grocery store or like fashion brands like Everlane like the content that they're sharing on Instagram or like Madewell um co-working spaces I love I I will never get tired of like looking through those things online so that sort of helps me to determine like specific industries or something clients that I would like to work with. But I also try to think about, you know, what are common themes that some of those have? Like all of those categories, they're usually targeting like a higher budget audience. They're, 
not luxury, but like kind of, you know, people who are willing to pay more for quality, um, especially whenever I think of like Everlane or, or Madewell or something, that's kind of their audience. And yeah, so if a client approaches me who's maybe not in one of those specific industries, but they do have some of those characteristics, then I know that they're going to be an ideal client. But yeah, and as far as attracting those people, Instagram is like my biggest tool. Whenever I first started, that was especially like, that's the only thing that I used to get clients. And it's still one of the main ways that people find me. Now I get some more referrals from other designers and stuff, but Instagram is my go-to. And (laughs) I have sort of like a whole strategy in place for how I use it to attract those types of clients. I mainly use personal projects. Like I talk about personal projects all the time, but it's because that's like my secret weapon with attracting my ideal client. If there's someone that I want to work with and I don't have an example in my portfolio or something that's going to specifically target them, then I do a personal project. I'll just spend like two hours or something doing it. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be there in my portfolio or something that I can share on Instagram. And I make sure that what I am sharing is something that those target ideal clients are going to be drawn in by. And honestly, I feel like the personal projects that I have done, those are always the ones that get the most attention because I feel like since I have the creative freedom, they're instantly, I'm more passionate about them. So so they must like, people must be able to see that somehow. That's something that Giselle and I talk about all the time on here and in in our group. It's like, build your portfolio with these, like these personal projects. You literally can do whatever you want. Like if you want to work for a brand like Madewell, like make up a fake company that's similar, you know? It's um and I love that you said you don't need to spend a ton of time on it. Like sometimes I think that you think like, "Oh, I don't have time to do that," especially if you're already working with other clients, but like you're so right. Sometimes there are times where I'm like, "Man, I just cannot work on a client project right now, but I'm feeling creative." Use that time. Use it. That's that's such good advice. And whenever I talk about that, usually I'll have someone on Instagram message me and say, but it's fake. Like, do people ever question that or like get mad that it's fake and it's not real, like a potential client? And it's like the same thing about nobody is caring about me being young. Nobody cares (laughs) if it's not a real project or not. I mean, maybe a little bit, but if they want to make sure that you have experience with it, but most of the people who are going to reach out to you, they just want to see something that they can relate to and aligns with the vision that they have for their own business. And like I did a personal project that was like a fake skincare brand a few years ago, I think. And I got two skincare clients from that. And whenever they had their like intro call with me, they specifically said, I saw that season's project you did. That's what made me want to reach out to you. It's beautiful. It's exactly what I want. And I'm like, well, thank God that worked. (laughs) But I mean, it's like, it's nice to know that, that it's that simple. I mean, sometimes it doesn't happen immediately, but it is that simple that the work that you put out there at some point is going to be the work that you attract yeah. back. Yeah. So for those of you listening, you know, telling yourselves that you shouldn't be working on personal projects because you don't have time, just put a half an hour in the morning each day and then you'll be done by the end of the week. <laughs> it's crazy. Like the last one that I did, I think I came up with two options for the logo and I maybe spent 
yeah, 30 minutes or an hour on them. Like my artboard, usually my artboards are like a huge, disgusting mess in Illustrator for like client projects. But that one is like so big <laughs> because I barely did anything to it. But that got like the most attention on my Instagram feed that I've had all year. Yeah, there's like all this inspiration coming from inside that you just like, it just comes out so naturally, right? It's like the purest <laughs> form of design. You know, it's like, it is art because when an artist goes to make a painting, you know, unless they have a specific commission, like if they're just inspired, then that is truly coming from the heart. And as much as, you know, we'll say, you know, this is a business, we are running a business. This is art. It is like at, at, at its very core. Yes. And like, how cool is it that that is what we get to do every day and people pay us a lot of money to do it. I mean, like a lot, give or take, you know, but like that, I have to remind myself of that all the time because I grew up as a little girl, like doing art and colored pencils and sketching and, and all those things. And like, it, it really is at the core of who I am and it's at the core of all of us because if that wasn't, if we didn't have that passion for it, then we wouldn't have the drive to get through the hard times. We wouldn't be able to like turn out these passion projects that like you can tell like we just love and look so amazing and potential clients can tell too. Like, I don't know, totally nerding out about the artistic side of design. <laughs> I feel like there are so many more questions that we want to ask, but in the interest of keeping the podcast at a respectable time, let's go ahead and let's do our inbox question for the end. I, I think this conversation kind of speaks for itself and there's so many great, amazing takeaways. So our inbox question this week comes from Sarah Giomi. I hope I pronounced your name right. Where do you as a designer get inspired when you're feeling stuck? She says she loves hearing other designers um, answer this and it's really fun hearing how people recharge and get creative. So I guess I'll go ahead and start with that. I think a lot of the time, like this is going to be a boring answer, but I like Pinterest. <laughs> I mean, like I know like everyone goes there for inspiration, but like if I'm working on a project and I'm just feeling stuck, then I'll like, I'll just go and look at like other logo designs and then sometimes I'll get inspired or I'll take a bit or a piece from here and there. If I'm not working on a project and I'm just feeling generally like creatively burned out, that I love finding design in real life. Like I love going to a brewery or, you know, going in downtown Austin and seeing billboards or on murals or going to an art museum and just finding kind of that like artsy side. And then of course, giant type on the side of buildings is something that I will always be inspired by. So it's just keeping your eyes open and snapping pictures of things when you see them, restaurant menus. Design is truly all around us all the time. So when I'm feeling stuck, it's just kind of going back to that, like, okay, what caught my eye? Just like you were talking about earlier, Abby, like what kinds of things do you keep coming back to? And that's kind of how you can kind of get the ball rolling again on that creativity. So Giselle, do you want to go? Well, same thing as you actually. <laughs> um, earlier, like in the last like seven days, I actually felt really stuck on a design for um, a conference. And I was like working on it, trying to like make it better and better. And it just wasn't getting better. And then I decided, you know what, I'm not going to look at it anymore. And I'm just going to look at other stuff. And then I saw, like, I think I went on Pinterest and like dribble or something and saw this one design that like, you know, scrolling like Abby, like you were saying, scrolling and then stopping at, oh, why, why did I stop here and like, look at this? And it was just like so impactful. And so I went back to the design and kind of like worked with what I had and emulated the essence of why the other design had like stopped me and like made me stare at it for so long and then things got a heck of a lot better 
but yeah like doing that looking at through books too I have a lot of like books that are just logos so if I ever feel stuck on a concept I like look through it so that I can break away from that one thing that I keep trying to make it work and it's not working because sometimes you get so married to an idea and then you realize like no I need to like start exploring something else (laughs) so that also helps too Abby use your turn I mean, of course, I go through Pinterest and Dribble and, and stuff as well. But most of the time, if I'm really burnt out or just like my brain stops working and I can't can't come up with anything good, I just have to stop working altogether. Like I have to stop looking at a screen. And this is a really lame answer, but I usually do dishes <laughs> if if like I need to stop looking at my computer because if I don't do dishes or like do something like that, like sweeping the floor or something, then I'm going to look at my phone or I'm going to watch TV. So like I have to (laughs) do something else so that I can't look at a screen. So I do dishes and I listen to true crime podcasts and that like, (laughs) that gets my, gets my brain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That, that always a good, a good true crime podcast will always get your mind off of fonts and stuff. So that's kind of my my go-to. Or like going for a walk, like I have a dog, I take her for a walk or something like that. We just need to like switch it off. And that's the last thing we want to do when something's not working. Walking away from an artboard that's not working is probably one of the hardest things that I have to do in my business because I just want to keep torturing it until I make it look good. And that's never the answer because it's a waste of time and it's never going to look as good as it would if I took a break. All right, Giselle, do you want to wrap up the episode? Yeah. So we had some awesome takeaways on this interview And um, I think some of the ones that I sort of wrote down is, you know, using your obstacles as strengths. You know, if you you feel like there's something that you can't do something for whatever reason, like try to be, I mean, we are creative people, like try to figure out a creative way to work with it as opposed to against it. Also, like reaching out to mentors and peers and people, people are most likely um, willing to help out and if you're not finding those people in the world, you're going to find them in our Facebook group. So make sure you're in there. <laughs> also be confident in your skills and, and your pricing and, you know, the mindset of going from employee or intern to business owner. We talked about that and um, using your personal projects as a way to attract dream clients and dream projects is really try that. And if you guys are going to start trying this or have tried it, please share it on the Facebook group. We would love to hear. Uh, Thank you so much for being here with us today, Abby. It's been really awesome um, following your journey. All these, I don't know when I started following you, but probably like a year or two ago. And it's amazing. Like you are an inspiration and I hope a lot of people get a lot of takeaways from this for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And it's crazy. <laughs> a lot has changed in my life probably yeah. since you've been following yeah. me. So where are you right now? Yeah. You're in Europe, you said? Yeah, we're in Portugal. So we've been to we started in Australia, then we went to Denmark, then we went back to Australia, then France, then we stayed in the US for a season and now we're in she Portugal. It truly is a way so better, folks. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yep. That's amazing. Yeah. That is so cool. Like hashtag goals for so many of us. So before we go, we wanted to give Abby an opportunity to share with you guys all about the amazing resources that she has as part of her business. So go ahead. So I have an online course. It's called the Designer Essentials Kit. 
And basically, it's just kind of like all of the lessons that I have learned as a freelancer running my design business, mainly about working with clients, like how to present my work really well and like explain my design process to people and like make sure that my client projects go smoothly and that my clients are happy (laughs) in the end that's kind of what it all is about and so I share the exact presentation templates that I use throughout my whole process for branding and web design and I give all just this tidbits of advice on how to communicate with clients how to handle certain situations there's a lot involved so I have that and I'll be doing a flash sale of that sometime very soon. So just kind of look out for that. But my template shop should have just launched and that has all of the presentation templates that are included in the course, but individually, because sometimes you just really need to up, you know, one part of your process. So with the template shop, you can get a presentation template for a part of your process that you'd like to refine a little bit. So yeah, you can go to shop.wayfarerdesignstudio.com and that's where you can find all of those templates and a few free resources as well. Yeah, there's some free stuff like planner scheduler, like a tip on like how I schedule out my work week and like making sure that there's time to work on client stuff and time to work on, you know, my own business stuff. That's one of the free resources there as well. I know. I'm like, okay, sign me up. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So I have, I have a newsletter, so you can sign up for that either on my website, wayfarerdesignstudio.com or through the template shop. There should be a place for you to sign up for that there awesome. as well. Thank you so much for sharing that. And guys, go check out, even if you don't want to sign up for the course, just go check out Abby's work. She is such an incredibly talented designer. I am so inspired by her Instagram and you know her portfolio and all that. So you could maybe find something that could really change your client process. So we highly recommend. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly or are interested in a guest interview slot, reach out at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. There are so many amazing conversations happening inside our Facebook community. We'd love to hang out with you in there. Search for Better the Brand Designer podcast to join us. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and each other.